Welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's a good thing we have resurrection power living on the inside of us. It sounds like we had a little glitch there in the midst of the prayer. Those kind of things happen. Maybe this is one of those days. I mess up in the announcements and we have a little glitch in the music. Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe God's going to interrupt what you're thinking today. Today is actually uh, the next to the last day of the greatest month that we have all year. I've, I've shared before, October is my favorite month of the year for many reasons. One, for example, yesterday, I got to watch football, baseball, and basketball all in the same day. It was a good experience for me. And with tomorrow being Halloween, you know, it is one of the days when as adults we can legally spook people and get away with it. Uh, and if you have children or if you have grandchildren, uh, you get to partake in all the candy they mooch off of the neighbors in your neighborhood. It, it's just a, a good month. It's too bad October has to end, except that there's, there's one thing that usually happens in October that I kind of have mixed feelings about, and, and that is October is typically the last month all year that you have to mow the lawn. Now, I actually like mowing the lawn, but I will also confess the last couple of years, I have actually liked telling my two sons to mow the lawn. That has been a good thing. But, uh, you know, not too many days ago, I thought, you know what, probably only going to have to mow one more time this year. I'm going to mow it myself, lowered the blade a little lower than it normally is, and got the edge out, got to have that crisp edge along the sidewalks and the driveway and everything, wanted it to look good. Robin had actually been doing some uh, work in our landscaping, pulling some weeds, trimming some hedges. You know, y'all do this stuff too, right? And so you know how dirty you get when you do it. You know, you mow the lawn, you get sweaty, and then the grass and the dirt sticks to your legs and your arms and your face and gets in your hair, and, you know, you get dirt under your fingernails, and you just can't wait when you're done to take that shower. Oh, the glory of feeling that water beating down on your scalp taking away all the tenseness in those muscles and you get out and you dry off and then you go find your favorite pair of jeans. You know the pair I'm talking about. The pair you don't wear in public. They're just so comfortable and you put them on and maybe you put on your favorite sweatshirt or your favorite hoodie and everything feels so comfortable. Y'all are just kind of easing into it right now, aren't you? And yet... <laughs> The image that I am trying to create for you is incomplete. It's incomplete because nowhere when I said that you were in the shower did I say that you bothered to use soap or that you use shampoo to clean your hair. You got a nail brush to get the dirt out from under your fingernails. And I know some of y'all are thinking, well, you just assume that. Who in their right mind would ever take a shower without that? Have you ever had a six-year-old boy around? You know, you, you tell them to use soap, and they're like, every time? You know, and 
but the reason I, I, I'm talking about this is because in this series we have on creating engagement, engagement being the new metric for how we measure faithful discipleship, how it is we measure a healthy and effective church, the metric that we've been talking about is incomplete unless we include the last part of what we're going to talk about today. Now let me remind you that fully engaged disciples are people who serve. We can serve in a lot of different places in the church. You come to trunk or treat, whether you're trunking or treating or greeting or whatever you're doing, that is the way we serve. We serve by teaching Sunday school or by rocking babies in the nursery. We serve helping in the office. We serve by ushering and greeting. And I'm gonna say more about that in just a little bit. There's a lot of places and a lot of ways in the church that we can serve. But if we only serve in the church, then we're not being light in the darkness of the world. So it is we find places in the community to serve. Some people serve by coaching little league sports. Some people serve by going to regional food bank or maybe working with neighborhood service organization. Some people work through schools to help in the office, to be a part of PTA, to work for a booster club. There's a lot of different ways we can serve, and that's one part of what it means to be engaged is that we are people who serve. Then the next part is fully engaged disciples are people who give of their finances. We talked about this two weeks ago, that when we give our lives to Jesus, everything about our lives belongs to him. But knowing that God has blessed us, we, in faith, return to God what God has said. Trust me with this. Trust me with the tithe. Trust me with 10% of what I've blessed you with and see if I can't provide everything that I want for you to have. It's not just about... The finances, too, when we stop to think about it, the whole idea of good shoes and good news is that we are giving to others who may be in need. Fully engaged disciples are people who are focused and intentional in growing in relationship with Christ. We're focused and intentional about growing in our faith. It was so disappointing when Josh preached this last week. I knew it to be true, but it was still disappointing to hear that I cannot simply wish myself into having six-pack abs. You know, it's true, but if you want those, you've got to be focused in your diet and your exercise to make that happen. Or if you think about your faith and you think, you know, I wish I knew the Bible better. Putting the Bible under your pillow so you can rest on God's word, it's not going to make it happen for you. You do have to open it. You do have to read it and meditate on it and study it. Friends, we can serve, we can give, we can be focused on our spiritual growth, but without the fourth component, it's all incomplete. You see, our engagement is incomplete without inviting others to follow after Jesus. This is what our mission as a church is, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We ought to be people that invite others to follow Jesus in the same way that we have chosen to follow Jesus. When you think about that, we can think who are the role models in the, the scriptures that teach about that. And first one that comes to mind is the apostle Paul and all that he did as a missionary and try to get other people to follow Jesus. Or, or we think about the apostle John. I mean, he wrote a few books in the New Testament too. Or we, we think about Peter. But for our consideration today, I want us to think about the namesake of our church, a fisherman named Andrew, or as we like to call him, Saint Andrew. If you would give your attention to this reading from the Gospel of John. 
the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. So Andrew is credited with being the first disciple to follow Jesus. In other words, Andrew was following, when it said John, that's John the Baptist. He was following John the Baptist because when he saw John and he heard what John said, he understood that John was a prophet from God who was called to prepare the way for the Messiah. So Andrew stays close to John in hopes of seeing the Messiah. When John says, behold, or look, here is the Lamb of God, Andrew says, then I've got to follow after him. Now, this is a very critical thing that should be easy for us to understand. Before Andrew was a follower of Jesus, he was a follower of John the Baptist. Before Andrew was Methodist, he was Baptist. Y'all get this? (laughs) I mean, I've always liked to joke that, uh, you know, Baptists make really good Methodists. And in the last service, I said, I'm not going to even ask who the recovering Baptists in our church are. But, you know, they were Baptists. They were used to raising their hand when they were supposed to do something. And we have a good joke about these kind of things. But what I want us to focus on is Andrew was somebody who was intentionally focused on growing in his faith. He grew up in a Jewish home. He believed that the Messiah would come, and when he follows Jesus, it doesn't take him long to conclude Jesus really is the Messiah. And the first person that he goes and tells is his brother, Simon Peter. Now, there's a lot of things that we can gather from this, but here's the one I want us to think about today, is we should invite our family members to follow Jesus. Andrew could have gone to anybody, but he went to his brother. They had been raised together, obviously, in a very faithful home of people that were looking for the Messiah to come. If we read in uh, the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 10 or chapter 12. Y'all can look it up. Do you good to read all three chapters? Uh, I think it's chapter 10. We, we see that Peter has a vision, and in the vision, he's told to eat these animals that 
the dietary customs of Jews said you don't eat. And in that, Peter says, Lord, you know I have never eaten these. So in other words, Peter and Andrew both grew up in a very significantly faithful Jewish household looking for the Christ to come. And so whenever we think of who should we invite to follow Jesus, I would recommend to you that the first place of discipleship is always the home. We have Christians' homes. We don't bring our children to church hoping the church will make them disciples. We bring our children to church because we believe the church can reinforce those lessons of discipleship that we teach at home. Making sense to everybody? Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, guardians, foster parents. Teach your children to pray. Teach your grandchildren. Teach children to pray by praying with them before bedtime, by praying with them before Mealtime, when you know that they're struggling with a decision at school or they're having a problem with one of their friends, stop and pray with them. Show them what it means to go to the person that we claim to follow in Jesus. Teach these things to your children first. Those people that uh, watch us online, maybe sometimes if you're traveling, you're going to be gone on a Sunday morning and you're going to watch us online and you're with family, invite them to join you for worship. Say, this is, this is what we normally do. I'll get up and I'll cook breakfast or I'll make coffee, but would y'all get up and just worship with me? In the next service, if, if, if any of y'all ever come to the, the 1050 service, right over here are where our youth sit. And among those youth are always people who are gaining support from each other. Most people don't know this, and I don't think the youth would be embarrassed for me to say this, but if you come and watch them when we're having the time of prayer, they're always holding hands, hanging on to each other for that support. And some of those youth come to church without their parents. And I'm going to encourage them. Invite your parents to church. You never know what's going to happen when we show up on a Sunday morning. I mean, yeah, we have a rhythm, we have a liturgy, we have a, a pace that we follow, but let's be honest, the whole reason we come to worship is because we believe Jesus is going to be here with us. And if we ever get to the place where we just come and don't think Jesus is going to show up, just do something else. This is why we come to follow him, to engage with him. And when we understand that all of us are on this spiritual journey, we have different starting points, we come to follow Jesus, to see where he's gonna lead us, to see where he's gonna take us. And this is what Andrew does. Andrew, Andrew doesn't know all the stuff about the Bible. You know why? It hadn't been written yet. He might know the Old Testament, but he doesn't know what the Bible says about Jesus. He doesn't really have that much experience with Jesus, but he has enough of an experience that he can say to his brother, we got to follow this guy. They didn't have it all figured out. 
We don't always have it all figured out, but that should not deter us from engaging in our faith in such a way that we invite other people to follow Jesus too, even when we feel inadequate, even when we don't have all the answers. And one of the other great things about Andrew, we read this in, uh, I think this one is in chapter 12 in the Gospel of John. We see that Andrew not only invited family members to come, Andrew brought to Jesus those that others kept away. Now, the, the story in the Gospel of John is that some Greeks come up to Andrew, and I believe it was Philip, and they said, we want to see Jesus. Now, that doesn't sound out of the ordinary to us, so let me explain to you why that's so unordinary. By Greeks, by identifying them that way, they are saying, these are Gentiles. These are not Jews. And Jews typically would keep Gentiles at arm's reach. And so when these Gentiles come up to Andrew and say, I want to see Jesus, Andrew takes them to see Jesus when other people would keep them away. In fact, in, in researching some stuff this week, I found out there's actually what's called the Order of St. Andrew. And the Order of St. Andrew is a group that ushers without complaint people so that they feel welcome in following after Jesus. And this is why I say it is so important that if you're looking for a place to serve, being an usher or being a greeter so that we can offer without complaint hospitality to anybody that wants to come to our church, that that's what we need to do. One of the painful, perhaps the most painful thing about our church's decision to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church is that we knew we were going to lose members. Not just any members, some people that are founding members of our church no longer feel like this is a place that they could keep as a spiritual home. That's painful, friends. We, we, we knew whatever we decided we were going to lose members, but it's painful to lose people that we've worshiped with, that we've served with. But what makes it even more painful is there are some who, as they are leaving, have labeled us a church of haters, that we hate people. If we're ever a church that hates people, we're no longer the church. We need to welcome people who have been kept away. And whenever someone says you're a bunch of haters, I'm going to tell you it hurts, it stings, you want to defend yourself, you want to argue, but there's only one way that I find that would be effective for us to combat that, and it's not through arguing. It's by welcoming anybody that walks through our doors so they can understand that we're all following Jesus together. You want me to tell you what we have in common with all the people that aren't here? We all need to follow Jesus. We all need a Savior. One of the, the people that I read a lot of, I've mentioned him before, is a guy by the name of Kerry Newhoff, and he wrote something recently that I want to share with us so we can have this understanding. He said, America is rapidly becoming post-Christian. Now, what that means is this. 
that with every passing year, fewer people know someone who goes to church or who has been to one themselves. And just push the pause button there. Think about that. Every year, there are fewer people in America that go to church or even know what church is about. Play. As a result, for unchurched people, walking through the door of a church increasingly feels like walking through the door of a private club or like walking through the door of a synagogue or mosque. Not impossible, but way easier and less awkward if you go with a friend who's a member. We invite people to church because we believe that Jesus is present and we never know what day Jesus might show up and do something amazing in our lives. We never know what day we're going to come to church and it's going to be so much more powerful. The Spirit of God is going to be so palpable in our midst that we are glad we came. And we come expecting this like Andrew expected to see the Messiah. And we invite people to come and share and experience the goodness of our God. Recently, I was reading on Facebook a story that somebody had posted. Perhaps you're friends with this same person. It's a member of our church. And so you may have heard this story, but I'm going to edit it down because I think it helps encapsulate a lot of what we're talking about this morning. A story shared by a woman by the name of Priscilla Shirer. She writes that one Sunday morning she was surprised when her son called and asked if he could go to church with her. She was ecstatic that he would ask, and emphatically she said yes. And, and she was so excited about his desire to come to church that she could barely hear what he said next because it was almost a whisper. He said, what should I wear? And she said, you wear whatever makes you feel comfortable. You wear whatever you think you should wear and it'll be okay. You see, her son wasn't a Christian. And every time she invited him to go to church, he said no. He had long hair, scruffy beard, and his arms were covered with tattoos even down to his fingers. So when he showed up at their house, he was wearing a long sleeve shirt to cover most of his tattoos. They were driving to church, and she heard the Lord speak to her, saying, when you get to church, make sure that your son sits between you and your best friend. And she thought that was odd, but when they got dropped off at the door, they went into church. She found her best friend. Her son actually slid into the pew and cozied up next to her, and, and she just began to dote on him. She just began to love him the way that she loved all people. And when she noticed his tattoos, she said, well, tell me about your tattoos. And, and so he shared, and she goes, well, where'd you get them done? The, you know, the artistry on this is just beautiful. And he said, well, I did them myself. And she just oohed and awed and commented and complimented him on what a great artist he was. Mom felt good that her son was being welcomed in the church. They sang a few songs, 
took an offering. The pastor walked up to the pulpit to preach, and he said, there's a young man somewhere here in the church today, and God wants to do business with you. You don't need to wait. You need to get out of your pew and meet me at the altar right now. That's when the Lord spoke to her and said, your son's going to be saved today. So it was, she felt her son nudge her arm as he began to get out of his pew. She and her husband moved so he could go do business with God. Of course, you can imagine (laughs) the gush of emotion she was feeling in that experience. She went on to write in her story that it's so important for us to receive people where they are, that when people come in, we never know what their story is. The prostitute that comes to church probably going to dress like a prostitute. The drunk that shows up at church probably going to have alcohol on their breath. The drug addict is probably going to be high if they show up. The, the gambling addict that comes in is probably asking for help because they just gambled away everything that their family needed. We never know exactly what people need are whenever they come. But we trust every person, not just Christians, Every person is on a spiritual journey. We have different starting points. We have different obstacles that try to knock us off course or get us to quit running. But as disciples that are fully engaged, we invite people to follow Jesus. We invite someone to follow Jesus, and that is a commitment on our part to take a spiritual journey with them. If this is not a part of our life, we're like that person that's done all the yard work and tries to get clean, but hasn't used soap in the shower. So today, Commitment Sunday, We're asked to think about what it means to be fully engaged, how it is we serve, how much we're going to give, how focused we are going to be on our spiritual growth, and how committed we will be to help others who want to follow Jesus. We're going to sing here in a minute, and as we sing, we're going to invite you to bring your uh, stewardship cards up to way of consecrating yourself we have the two offering plates if you desire just go ahead and bring that and put it in the plate if you desire that time of prayer no you're always welcome to do that would y'all pray with me